Hi, everybody. Easy. easy. Um, it's good to be here. I, it's good to see your smiling faces. <clears throat> I hope you didn't come expecting a Christmas message. Because I'm not properly trained to tackle that subject yet. So I'm going to start in Deuteronomy with one of my favorite scriptures. But before I do... I would like to uh, give a little background. It'll be Deuteronomy 8. Um, so we were sitting in Sunday school this morning, and Larry starts talking, and I'm like, man, there goes my whole sermon. But it's cool, because it's confirmation that what is in the Spirit is in the Spirit. And uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm up here, I always talk about me. You know, hi, Kiki. It's, glad, it's good to have you back. Are you here for just till the 5th? Everybody love on Kiki before she leaves again, okay? Um, God always makes me, God always has me pass on to you what he's teaching me, right? And so the last few months of my life have been exceptionally interesting, to say the least. Um been a real roller coaster of emotions and thoughts and just a lot of things going on that I didn't see coming. I'm sure my wife didn't see them coming either. But if I told you I didn't enjoy it, I'd be lying. So most of you know about three months ago, I decided I was going to start my own business, right? God had been pushing me that direction and leading me that direction and I finally decided that I was going to obey. And it's really cool to have done that in life. It's it's a cool change. It's been fun. It's been exciting. It's been sanity-destroying at times, but it's been a real hoot. And granted, that's the reason that life has been a roller coaster lately is because of that and only that. I mean, that has basically consumed myself, my family, everything that we focus on, everything that we do has kind of been focused in that direction. And so a couple of weeks ago, my wife asked me if I would just take the last two weeks of the year off. I haven't been home for more than two days in a row in years, probably 10 years. It's been really good. But the roller coaster is really what I want to tell you about. We, uh, we say we believe God, right? We believe His Word, right? We're, that's easy to say, right? It's easy to say. I believe God. I believe His Word. If you say you believe Him, then you have to believe His Word. That's not a question. It's a statement of fact, correct? If you say you believe Him and His Word... What makes us think that we should get a free pass on life? See, especially among the younger generation, you older cats, I'm going to set you to the side for a minute here. And in the younger generation, there seems to be this prevalent attitude that we should not have to experience rough times. Why me? Why is this happening to me? That is a lie from the enemy. I know 70-year-old people in this body, I'm not going to point any fingers, 
who are still growing in Christ. It's not a process that ends. I know people in this body personally that have been serving Christ for 50 plus years and they're still growing in Christ. So in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 1, one of my favorite scriptures, I have it underlined, highlighted, notes all over it. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 1 says, Every commandment which I command you today you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger and he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Verse 2 is, is the meat of it. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart. Do you think God was curious about what was in their heart? He knew exactly what was in their heart. It wasn't about him learning what was in their heart. It was about them learning what was in their heart. That's very simplistic, but that's the truth. God was showing them what was in their heart. And how did he do it? He tested them. He humbled them. He basically sent them around the mountain numerous times. How many times can you go around a mountain in 40 years? But it took 40 years for this people to learn their lesson. Larry, how old are you? 26, 27? 40. So you learned your lesson quick. 40 years, these people were basically wandering in a desert because they wouldn't learn their lesson. It took them 40 years for God to get their heart where they understood their own heart and what was required of them. Verse 3 says, So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know nor did your fathers know. That he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. See, God humbled them with a purpose. I got a question for you. How many of you have ever been to the Middle East, that part of the the world? Okay. I never have. But I Googled it. (laughs) The desert in that area is a very inhospitable place. It can be very hot. To very cold in a matter of hours. I mean, it was not a comfortable place to be. They lived in tents. They didn't have houses. They were mobile. You know? It wasn't a very nice place to be. For 40 years, they were there. I can only pray that it doesn't take me 40 years. That's my beloved bride, by the way, if anybody's curious. So I, I have a question for you. Why did it take 40 years? Answers, I'm 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 a equal opportunity communicator. Exodus thirty three five. Exodus thirty three five. And there's one statement that I want you to read in the scripture that says everything you need to know about why it took forty years. Exodus thirty three 
Verse 5 says, For the Lord has said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I'm going to keep this PG. Stiff-necked is a very strong term. Stubborn, selfish, hard-hearted, self-centered, conceited, self-important, self-absorbed, self-righteous, self-worshipping. You can stop me anytime this starts to sound familiar. Okay, do me a favor. Raise your hand if you have never been any of those. I have. All that and more in my life. All of that. So here comes the roller coaster I wanted to tell you all about. I'm real big about sharing with people what God's doing, man. There's not a human on this earth that I will not talk to about God. I have no qualms. I'll hit people up in the grocery store. It really bothers my wife because I'll start conversations with people that I'll never see again. Yeah, I had a guy call me on the phone the other day, collect call from the county jail, and I was like, hey, we'll see who it is. Might be one of my homies, you know, who knows. So I answer it, and it's costing me money, okay? That phone call cost me five bucks. I answer it, and the dude asked for Robert, and I'm like, nope, no Robert here. But hey, since I got you on the line. So I spent like 15 minutes ministering to this dude until the time was up. I even paid an extra dollar for a couple minutes. But <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I have fun. I don't have any qualms about sharing about God. It, it, it is who I am. It's what I do, you know. And I'm very vocal. Unfortunately, I put myself out there a lot because I'm, I'm very vocal. And I'm big on sharing what God's teaching me. And, and, and I feel like everyone should know. Because if he's teaching me, surely you guys need to know too. You know what I mean? Words come easy to me. They always have. The written word, spoken word. Um, my family refers to it as the Everett Silver Tongue. I used to tell people I could sell a ketchup popsicle to an Eskimo in a wedding dress. See, uh, several months ago, God started... <laughs> No, 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 I, I, I was hoping for that response. You're good. Well, ketchup popsicle, you know, anyway. Several months ago when God started prepping me to do this, to, to start this business, and, and he was preparing me to go into my little promised land. Okay, and I'm not talking about a big spiritual awakening promised land. I'm talking about a place flowing with milk and honey for me and my family. Um the freedom to spend more time with my kids, the freedom to make my daughter's Christmas party at school, which I'd never done before. I've never been to one of my kids' Christmas parties at school, and I got to go to one the other day. And it was amazing. And I was ready to get out of there by the time it was over. <laughs> Amen. There's, uh, it's hard to make small talk with seven-year-olds. Just <sighs> Because my daughter likes telling stories about my past life. Long story. So God is getting ready to send me into this little part of my promised land, you know, uh, call it my Jericho, whatever. And all these things that come with it, the freedom for, to spend time with my family, the, the, the financial ability to sow into the kingdom more. I mean, these were all the things that were prophesied into me moving this forward. And verbally, I was ready. You would not hear me complain or grumble, period. Let's do this. I ain't scared of no giants. I'm ready, 
right? Then the hits started coming. Because, see, the fact of the matter is, is that the hits are going to come. There's no free ride. There's no easy walk. There's no, oh, we're just going to walk through and everybody's going to fall to the wayside. That's not how it works. Even with God, that's not how it works. The giant started to whoop on me. Hard. My family started taking hits. My wife about lost her mind. And it hurt. Spiritually, emotionally, financially, physically, it hurt. My normal expected human response, any, anybody in their right mind would look up at God and say, why me? What did I do wrong? And feel sorry for themselves. I don't care who you are, that's the automatic response. That's the human response anytime you feel threatened, anytime you feel attacked, anytime you feel any of that. The, the, the natural human response is, why me? My expected response would have been to feel sorry for myself. And to be honest, there may have been a little bit of that going on. I'm not going to lie. There may have been a little bit of that going on. A little bit. But years ago, God, got, God taught me a lesson that, that I, will, I will swear to till the day I die. Whenever things like that happen, you don't ask, why me? You ask, what's the lesson? Because there's a reason behind it. God is in control of everything in the universe. I mean, the scripture about the sparrows and the lilies of the field. God has complete control over everything in the universe. So if he's allowing this to happen, there's a reason. So not poor me, not why me. What's the lesson? What's the kingdom lesson? Where does this fit into God's kingdom? So I began to pray about it and realized, you know, that a lot of the issues that we were having were my own fault. I didn't seek counsel on some things. I made some mistakes that cost me. Actions have consequences. Just because we love Jesus and Jesus loves us doesn't mean we're not going to suffer consequences for our actions. Mistakes happen. We're human. And in the real world, there's still consequences to be paid for those. And so a lot of what was going on was because I failed to do seven wraps around the city, my Jericho. I didn't follow everything that God had told me to do specifically. And so there was issues. There was consequences for that. So when I realized that, when I sat that down and I put that to the side, this peace came over our home, over my wife, over me. And then all of a sudden things just started working out. Things just started falling into place. Because when I started this endeavor, I made a commitment to God that he would run it. And I would just be the hands. But see, what I had done is I had tried to take hold of it. And I had tried to manipulate certain things. And I had tried to do this and I had tried to do that. And boom, the giant started whooping on me. But as soon as I quit, and, and my wife's looking at me because she, she can attest to this. As soon as we just took our hands off of it, everything started lining up. Everything is just flowing perfectly. It's, it's, it's amazing how well it works. Um, turn with me to James, please. 
James chapter 1. You know, James is one of my favorite books, along with Timothy. All the books of Timothy are amazing. James chapter 1. Everybody knows the scripture. Verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. See, our attitude as humans is to, why me, poor me, feel sorry for me. But that's not how it's supposed to work spiritually. This scripture tells us to count it all joy. Was I feeling joy when all these hits were coming? Nope. But I should have been. I should have been rejoicing that God cared enough to teach me to go the right direction. That he cared enough to chastise me in what I was doing wrong. Thankfully, quickly, he reminded me that. I've loved Jesus long enough to know that he has my back. I I don't doubt that. I know whose I am. I know enough about Father to know that there's nothing in this universe that is without his control. It is simple human failing that prevents his work being perfected in us. It's not his fault. It's not anything he's done wrong. It's our failing. So when I'm sitting there and I'm having my pity party and I'm feeling sorry for myself because the hits are coming and the giants are whooping on me, that's my failing. That has nothing to do with God. At all. And so you have to ask yourself the question, What is the kingdom lesson here? What is God trying to do through me? Forget that it hurts. Walk away from that. It's going to hurt. Rough times are going to come. Walk away from that. Just, Just stow that. What do I need to do for God to perfect his work in me? Because if I claim to be a kingdom man, then my first and foremost goal should be the kingdom of Christ. And if I'm worried about me and how it's affecting me and how bad it hurts me, that's not kingdom. Okay, if the, earlier I said there was a reason these things were happening. There's always a reason. And it's a kingdom reason. It's because God needs something out of that situation for his kingdom. That's not an easy pill to swallow because sometimes it hurts. I'm not knocking anybody that's had uh, unexpected deaths, sicknesses, I mean, uh, an ill child, those things, I almost, almost went a little King James on you there. Those things are not cool. They hurt. They, 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 they are not pleasant at all. But if you truly believe what God says in his Bible about him being in control of everything, then you should be able to find joy in that somewhere that it is for his kingdom and his glory. When we try to take control of our purpose in him, when we try to destroy the giants and win the battle on our own power, he lets us. He lets us try. Go ahead. Take off. Killer. Have at it. Right? I cannot tell you what's the saying. Um, Numerous yet finite times that I have been allowed to just full steam ahead 
My wife can attest, apparently. I, God lets me do this. And I'm the kind that I'm going to jump both feet forward, I blindfolded. When we do that, God lets us. But like I said earlier, there's consequences to your actions. So it's all fine and good. You want to jump out there and go slay giants on your own? Give it a shot. When the giants start thumping you on the head, there's a reason. And there's a lesson. And so when the giants start thumping you on the head, you don't look up and say, why me, God? Oh, poor me. You say, okay, God, what did I do wrong? What's the lesson? How does this affect the kingdom? Some of us, we could actually use a little more head thumping. Larry Brewer. I know me personally, I'm hard-headed. God teaches me through pain. That's how I learn, because I'm hard-headed. Stiff-necked. Yes, I am. And so I get my head thumped a lot. I've got the knots to prove it. (laughs) Thank you, Brewer. Appreciate you very much there. Way to interact here. So, you know, as Christians, we walk around... And we have the ability to just throw all this beautiful rhetoric out there about Jesus loves me and I believe in him. And we quote Jeremiah 29, 11 like it's our life's anthem, you know. But those are just words. I, guilty right here. I do it all the time. But they're just words until you put it into action. So what actions do you take when the hits start coming? Somebody like me, we keep keep on chucking, take the hit. No, that's the wrong response. What do we do? What is the proper response when it looks like the Giants are winning? Okay, these are all right answers. Humble yourself. Where is our faith when things don't go how we think they should? Because how many times in your life have you really thought something should go a certain way and it doesn't? That's the story of my life, and it's generally my fault, but that's okay. If your first instinct is to grumble and complain and accuse God, then I have some bad news for you. You're human. We really have to learn to be quicker about not responding in our humanity. Okay, because we're supposed to be killing the flesh, people. This is supposed to be an ongoing process. So we have to learn to be quicker about not letting our humanity respond to these situations. God doesn't want us to wallow in our self-pity. He doesn't need to hear us asking, why me? That is an idiotic question. I promise. The proper response is simple. And I'm going to show it to you. Psalm 77. King David understood these things uh, a lot more than you or I. Psalm 77, sorry, Psalm 77, verse 10, and I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. 
Why is so great a God? Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among your peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. See, whenever David got in a bind and he was taking thumps, that's what he did. He would stop and he would remember who God is and that he wasn't him. I'm not God. I can take some licks, but I'm not God. The proper response is to remember who God is. Stop. If the hits are hurting, stop. Quit. Who is God and who are you to him? What is this really about? This is about the kingdom. It's not about my household. It's not about me. It's not about my wife or my kids. It's not about my church. It's about the kingdom. As humans, we tend to be very little picture oriented. One of the coolest quotes I ever heard in my life. I was in prison in trade school, but the teacher, his name was Mo, Mr. Mosley. And he was our carpentry instructor. Yeah, I, I am a licensed carpenter, but no, I don't know how to build anything. Um, Mr. Mosley said, they're all little things in the big picture. Don't sweat the small stuff because it's all small stuff in the big picture. That's always stuck with me. As humans, we're very little picture oriented. We see this. We don't look for this. We see that this hurts right now. This is uncomfortable right now. This bothers me right now. That is, the Bible says the life of a man is but a vapor here in the morning and gone in the afternoon. It's a very little picture. Our life is a very little picture of what's really going on out there. Our momentary struggle, our momentary pain is, is very little compared to the big picture, compared to the kingdom picture. We think that this current distress is by far the worst ever experienced by ever, any human. Come on. When I get a cold, I'm not going to tell you what my wife calls me, but I feel like it's the worst cold that's ever hit mankind. I'm going to die. Oh, my God. No. And there's a scientific reason for that, but we're not going to get into that. As humans, we tend to believe that what's happening to us is just by far the worst thing that could ever happen to anybody. This, this is not cool. Why is it that we are so quick to forget who God is and who we are to him? You know, the Bible says that, that, that God chastens his, his children like a good father. I'm not saying that everything that happens in your life is disciplinary, but there's a lesson behind it. It wouldn't happen if there wasn't something to be learned or gained for the kingdom. Me, when I'm being a little baby about having a cold, there's a lesson there because I still have to get up and go to work. I still have to get up and do, do my business. I still have to handle the things that God has given me to handle. So maybe the lesson's just that I'm not always going to feel good, but I still got to do what I got to do. I'm not saying that is, but the point is you got to look for the lesson. You have to look at the big picture. What, what is this really about? So 
So the older in our, our congregation here, and again, I'm not going to point any fingers, Larry. Um, young people, you, you, you really, we really have to, to, to connect with our older generation. We have to. We have to. It's not, it's not an option anymore. Okay, because the older generation, guys, they've seen God move mountains. They've watched God slay giants time and time and time again. They have that experience. Larry, I'm going to ask you a question. Not age-related, I promise. How many times in your life have you had a cold or been sick and still had to get up and go do what you needed to do? It happens. It's part of doing kingdom business. It's part of it. We don't get to lay in bed and feel sorry for ourselves. Okay? The point is, younger generation, the older generation has had this. They have sometimes 40 years on us. You know? It's very important that we lean on that. God sent them through that for a reason, so that we would be able to learn from them and grow from that, so that we wouldn't have to experience the full effect of it. If you're having a rough time and you feel like the giants are whooping you, seek out an older person, somebody you trust. And I'm not necessarily talking about older in age. Of course, that is the issue. But there are people who just have more life experience because they've been to different places or seen different things or whatever. Younger people, seek them out. It's very important that you don't sit there and just wallow in this mindset of poor me, why me? Because there's a lesson to be learned. And if you can't see it, maybe they can. First Peter. Chapter 4. <clears throat> I love this scripture. Uh, and granted, I'm going to be honest, I'm taking it just a tad out of context because I'm only using the one scripture. You're welcome to read on from this point. Chapter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, do not think it strange. Concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing had happened to only you. Do we do that, people? I'm the only one that suffers. I, I'm just the poor me, poor pitiful me. Nobody's ever had it as rough as me. Oh, come on, man. I, I, I'm guilty. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not. But that's just ridiculous. And... and in this scripture, I can kind of sense the sarcasm, like some strange thing has happened to you, you know? Like, like you weren't expecting this, you know? You, you don't see it happening to everybody else, you know? We need to quit acting like it's only us personally that go through rough times. The enemy is an equal opportunity destroyer. Come on, Kiki, is he not? I don't care what color you are, how old you are, how much money you got, it don't matter. The enemy don't care either. It doesn't matter if you're 14 years old or 66. Did I guess right? Close, okay. I'm being gracious, huh? So my, my point, my point the, the, the meat of what I want you to understand today is this is all a process of growing in Christ. 
Okay? Babies, human babies, they cry. That gets them fed. But as they grow, they learn to talk. Then they can ask for food or tell you when they're hungry. And then when they get to be 14 or 15, they just mumble and roll their eyes and stare at you and throw stuff. And you know to feed them. I mean, that's how you know to give them food. Just eat. Shut up. Eat. Okay? But then when you hit 20 years old, 30 years old, by that time you're old enough to feed yourself. You're growing. It's a process of growth. Same thing spiritually. There is no baby Christians in this room. I know all of you personally. Even as young as six years old, Max is not a baby Christian. He's got experience. He's got meat, you know. And he, he sounds wonderful, by the way. That was beautiful. My point is this. This is part of growing in Christ. If you can't accept and, 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 and keep moving when the hits are coming, keep following God, keep doing kingdom work, then you're still a baby. Because, I mean, the truth of the matter is, the hits are going to come. There's no way to get out of it. There's no way to avoid that. In fact, if you want to be a kingdom man, I love that term. Michael coined that term. It's a beautiful term. If that's what you want out of life, you should expect even more hits. Even more attack. Okay? So it's really time in the body of Christ for people to start growing up. The battle is on. The war is raging. The time is short. God doesn't need a bunch of infantile Christian toddlers running around the, the battlefield. Okay? And when I say infantile Christian toddlers, I, I, am, I am using it in every sense of the word. God doesn't need us out there being whiny and moany because it's not going our way. I'm sorry. And I, and I oh man, especially in the younger generation, I, I talk to so many people and that's their first reaction to a rough spot in life is, oh, God's being a bully. I've heard those words. What the body needs is warriors who can take the hits, learn the lessons, and keep fighting. When we find ourselves in the muck, I was going to use the King James Version, but muck is more preferable at this point. When we find ourselves in the muck, in the heat of the battle, we have two choices. Literally, you have two choices. You can quit, lay down, give up, and let the enemy win. That's, that's a choice. I mean, you can make that choice if you want. God gives you the ability to make that choice. You can sit there and you can watch the world burn around you. Or you can remember whose you are. See, when Christ bought us, we became his possession. If you have accepted what Christ has done for you, you belong to him. Do you know what the prince of any kingdom in ancient times was? He was the head of the army, captain of the host. Jesus is referred to as the captain of the host, captain of the heavenly host. In Joshua, he's referred to as the leader of all the armies of heaven. You belong to him. What's there to be scared of? Is it going to hurt? Potentially. Are, are, are bad things going to happen? Yep, for sure. But who beats the captain of the host of heaven? Nobody. Death couldn't even beat him. So, I beg of you, beloved of God, let God grow you. 
Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't question why. Ask, what is the lesson? And so I'm going to read you this last scripture. Oh, man, my eyesight's going bad. I used to be able to see that clock. Job chapter 38. Now, y'all know that Job is one of my favorite books, and people find that strange, but I love the book of Job. I relate to Job. And so all through the book of Job, we know the story, but at the end, when God brings it all to an end, he reminds Job of who he is. And there's like four chapters. I promise I'm not going to read them all. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. So in chapter 38, I'm going to start at verse 4. And this is God speaking to Job. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched out the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with its doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garments and thick darkness its swaddling band? When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors? When I said, this far you may come, but no farther. And here your proud waves must stop. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? This is the God we serve, people. I get chill bumps. Because not only is the poetry beautiful and the words moving, but the truth behind it is that we serve and belong to that God. The one who created all things that are. Later in the chapter, it talks about Leviathan and Behemoth and the mountain goat bearing her young in time. And, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. When the rough spots hit, and they're going to hit, don't, don't doubt it. You have to remember whose you are and who you serve. If you truly believe him and if you truly believe his word, it's time to grow up. Put yourself aside and let him teach you. Sorry, I rushed through it. Larry told me I had a time limit. And just so everybody knows, these are lessons I've learned. So the knots on the head, that's why. <laughs>